Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Y'all, you know I changed that flight, right? (laughs) I am still in Ghana. I've been here since, what, the 22nd of December? I just will not go home. I love it here. I really do. I know I did a whole episode about, like, the craziness that happens in Ghana, but I also told y'all I have, like, I'm developing this dysfunctional love affair with this city. Like, it treats me so good some days, and then other days, I'm just like, you don't love me no more? (sighs) Yesterday, I had like another like top 10 day, which got weird in the middle of the day. So I've been staying at this apartment. I don't know how to describe the layout of the city. So think of Osu as Times Square and think of East Legon as Brooklyn. So there's no bridge or anything. It's just like further up the road and it's not far. You technically don't even have to take a highway. In good traffic, it's a straight shot, 20 minutes, and it's easy for me to get to like the heart of everything with all the restaurants and shops and then go back up to where I've been staying. And I really wanted to stay in that neighborhood because it has its own set of cute restaurants and cute shops. It's kind of walkable, kind of not, but you can get around anywhere like in an Uber if you don't have a driver because before I got a driver, that's what I was doing. And Uber rides here are, if you're in your neighborhood, seven CDs, 10 CDs. Um, which is 10 CDs is $1.60. Any ride that's like 10 minutes or less is $1.60 is $1.60. So I was just jetting around and I was fine. The problem was most of my social interactions are not in East Legon. They're in and around Osu, a neighborhood called um, Cantonments, and then another one called Le Bonnet. So think of those as kind of like the Manhattan, if you're thinking in New York terms, right? Again, not far, 20 minutes, right? With no traffic. Like, so getting down here is like a 45 minute minimum hike in really bad traffic that's like barely moving, like you're just sitting there. It's taken like up to an hour and 20 minutes just to go 20 minutes. And I was like, okay, this this is not working. The place I was in was really nice. It was in a gated community. It had like a really beautiful pool with this mural of a black woman who I was like, that's Lupita. I would sit in the pool staring at the mural and I was like, that's Lupita. That's not Lupita. Everybody doesn't look like Lupita. Lupita is Kenyan. Lupita's not Ghanaian. Why would they put a Kenyan woman on the wall in Ghana? But nah, that's Lupita. That's not Lupita. I'm gonna post a picture on my Instagram stories. You tell me if it's Lupita or not. But really cute. Needed a thorough cleaning. Like when I first walked in, like I was like, ooh, like a little bit, like not full heebie-jeebies, but like, you know, when something is like clean, clean and when something like needs like just like, you know, a good like not even Saturday morning scrub down, a New Year's Eve scrub down. You know how you like you clean your house from top to bottom on New Year's Eve? I mean, if you're proper black, I don't do the black eyed peas, but I do like wash all my clothes, like clean my house. I mean, like curtains, baseboards, like that level of clean. 
Like I went in the kitchen and it had like, I could see the fingerprints of the person who'd been there before me. And I was like, yo, this is not cool. Cause like one, it's COVID, right? So like you need to like wipe shit down. And then also I'm just like, it's just not clean. I don't know. It wasn't my level of clean. And I was really paranoid because I was like, am I having like some sort of like American in foreign land flip out where I'm just like, oh, it's not American, blah, blah, blah. And then I was like, no, the shit just not clean. So I got up the next day and I, I went to get my nails done and there was a, a um, but a little like housewares place next door. And I bought like Lysol. I bought stain remover. I bought, um, all-purpose bleach spray and like I went back to the place and like I scrubbed down the kitchen I Lysol down like all the furniture so at least I would feel comfortable like you know sitting on the sofa and I was like this is ridiculous like I did all that and then I still was like and then the other thing too is like I've been testing out places for when I move here later this year so it was really important to me to like before I like you know pay you know six months or a year in advance um, I wanted to make sure that I actually liked the place. I actually liked the area and it was livable, you know, like I felt comfortable in the space. So was there for a week and I was really excited about that place when I saw it online and it just wasn't it. And I tried to make it it and it just wasn't happening. And I was like, I, I can't live like this. So changed my flight and I'm also having an amazing time, that part. Um, so I changed my flight and I moved to a new apartment and like I pulled up to the building. It's in a perfect area. It's very central to everything. It's like right down the street um, from like my first date with British Bay. And I remember driving and I was like, oh, it's really close to everything. So like literally when I went on my morning walk this morning, I walked less than five minutes. And then the place was like right there. And I was like, oh, I'm really, really central. This new place, it's also a two bedroom. This one only has two baths. The last one had three. But I walked in and like I immediately was like, yes. And funny enough, when I was setting up the, uh, the laptop, this place doesn't have a, a formal desk. The other place did. It has a kitchen counter. Um, and so I was setting up in the kitchen. And so I can see the, the hallway and the bedrooms and, you know, the layout of the living room from like a different perspective. And I was like, why do I love this place so much? Because I was sitting here and I was like, I feel perfectly at home. Like I like the last place I didn't hang my stuff up in the closet. I didn't do it at the hotel before that or the hotel before that. Or the hotel before that. This is the first place I've stayed. And like, since I've been here, I've been living out of my suitcase, like just, you know, tossing stuff around. Like I took my shoes out and my toiletries and stuff, but I didn't like make myself at home. But like, I'm only going to be in this place for four days. I unpacked my entire suitcase. I hung up everything in the closet. I arranged my shoes and my purses and my jewelry, like just completely comfortable. And I was like, why do I love this place? Like so much. So I'm sitting here at the counter and I was looking at the perspective and I was like, oh, because everything's black, gray, white, and beige. It's home. Every house I've lived in, not the first one, not the first two years I was in Brooklyn. And I wasn't really comfortable in that apartment either. Like it was a starter apartment. It was cheap. I could afford it. And then when I started making a little, just a tiny bit more money, not a lot, but a tiny bit more money, I moved to a better apartment. And then I started, you know, creating my, you know, sense of style in my space. But the whole thing is black, white, beige, and gray. Which also, if you pay attention to my, um, I wear a, a few more colors now. I went through a whole phase where I wore like neutral colors, black, white, gray, beige, army green. I would do yellow sometimes, yellow, gold, whatever. Sometimes, but most of the time I'm in black. Walking around LA because I don't have to get dressed up every day. I'm usually in all black. So I was like, oh, it's my whole aesthetic. It's great. It's like living 
in my head. It's great. I love this place. I'm totally going to book this place. The woman who owns it is a black woman, which you might be like, well, yeah, because you're in Ghana. No, it's a lot of white people that own property out here. A lot of white people, British and American, and a lot of Lebanese, especially in this neighborhood. Not so much the Lebanese, but the white. The U.S. embassy is not so far away, like five minutes driving. And then I think the British embassy is somewhere around here. Like all the embassies usually are close together. Um, it's not like a ton of white people walking around. But like last night, I went to two different restaurants. And one of them, it was like more white people than black people. And I was like, where am I? Am I back in L.A.? Am I dreaming? Did I wake up? <laughs> like, I was so confused. It's a black girl with Gunnian roots, and she's from Canada. And this is her rental income spot. And she owns a house in East Legon. Essentially, to stay here for six months, I'm going to be paying this woman's, like, annual mortgage. You know what? I don't think they have mortgage here. I think you buy something, you have to buy it outright. Yeah, I mean, other countries have mortgage concepts, but I don't think they have the concept of mortgage here. So essentially, like, you know, I don't know what I'm paying. Maybe she's got a bag habit. Maybe she's got, like, a, you know, a shoe habit because she was a cute girl. And I was like, maybe it's not braiding hair because her hair was beautiful, too. It's not the hair because the hair is cheap. I don't know. I was like, I know I'm overpaying, but, like... It's, I'm a long way from home and I need to feel comfortable and like going out into the world, experiencing new cultures and all the, you know, adversity and frustration and learning curves and all of that. Like, that's what I signed up for when I like leave my house. But in the house, I need to feel comfortably American. So I'm funding whatever habit that she has. Maybe she has a travel habit. Maybe I'm funding her travel, which I'm fine with. Live black girl live because I'm trying to. So yesterday, that was the whole point of this. So yesterday I moved from one apartment that was okay to an apartment that is just like magical, mystical, wonderful, great. I'm really, really happy here. And I was supposed to go to a film premiere. There's a documentary that just came out, When Women Speak. If you do hashtag When Women Speak on Instagram or, or Twitter, it'll come up. But it's a documentary about feminism, organizing and feminism, equality, and they interview like some huge, well-known feminists um, from the continent. And I watched the trailer and the women weren't identified in the trailer. And I felt so damn ignorant because I was like, I don't know who these women are. But I could tell from the people who were commenting about the women in the trailer that they're like really big deal kind of women. And, you know, my whole experience in Ghana for like the last 30 days has been one of great humility. Because, you know, like I have this podcast and I've been a, a blogger and a writer and an author and like public speaker and like CNN and MSNBC and Good Morning America. And I'm considered someone who is in the States, very tapped in to the culture, maybe sometimes considered a couple steps ahead where people are, you know, looking to me to be like, you know, what are people doing, thinking, talking about like, you know, what should we be interested in? What's next? And when I come here, I'm just clueless. Like, I just, I don't know shit. And so trying to know shit, trying to figure out shit, is just one of, like, constant exploration. So my friend invited me to this movie screening, and she told me that she was invited by the director. So I was like, oh, yes, I would love to go because I wanted to, you know, connect with her. And then I wanted to see this film because, you know, feminism. You know, I'm a feminist. Feminist lips, ratchet hips. The shirts are coming. I told you about the typo. It's being fixed. So, and, and I wanted to meet, like, you know, whoever was also going to be in attendance at this thing. 
this is a, this would be a nice group of people that I may have things in common with who also I may want to interview for, you know, whatever I'm working on, but like just a good group of people to meet. So first I, I asked my friend, I was like, okay, so you said the, the, the movie premiere starts at 4.30, which is new for me. You know, back home, a movie premiere wouldn't be until at least 7. 4.30, okay, no pro- Okay, yes, problem. Because the movie premiere is back in the direction of where I was just staying. And I just told you how like traffic is abysmal. Like to get from my old place to my new place should have taken 20 minutes and it took an hour and 10 which is, you know, 10 minutes faster than it's taken at the worst. So I was like, shit, I got to get back in this traffic again. So I asked her, I was like, so you said it started at 4.30. I was like, you know, there's CP time is different than Ghana time. So like, what time does this thing actually start? And so she was like, girl, it's always a crapshoot. She was like, I can guarantee you it won't start at 4.30, but I don't know if it's going to start at 5, 5.30 or 6. So she was like, I'm going to get there at 5. So I was like, all right, aiming for 5. Left the house at like 4.10. And I was like, worst case scenario, I'll miss like the first like, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Get in the car. Traffic is shit. It was worse than when I was coming down. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. So I hit my girl and I was like, can you text me when the film starts? So I know like how late I am. I'm 40 minutes away, still sitting in traffic. We really not even moving like an inch. We on the same street. And it ain't a long street. She texted me. She was like, the movie's starting. So I was like, oh, you're kidding me. So I was like, it doesn't make sense for me to go. Like, to get to the movie, like, 40 minutes late, like, it just, it doesn't make sense for me to go. And I hadn't eaten all day, and I was just like, I'm just going to turn around. Oh, by the way, I was not with my driver. I let my driver go. I had my driver pick me up because I had suitcases and such. And then I was like, oh, you're good. Like, I should be fine to, like, Uber up because my friend lives back down this way. I can catch a ride with her on the way back. So I tell the driver before I change the restaurant and I was like, hey, can you just like take me essentially like back to where we came from? And I'm just going to like go to dinner because like I can't make, you know, my appointment. And he was like, oh, no, madam. Excuse me. He was like, no, like I only picked you up because like I live out this way, like right past where you're going. And so like I was picking you up because like I'm headed home. So like, no, I can't turn around because if I turn around, then I have to like sit in this traffic again. So like, no, madam. And I was like, oh, okay, well, just, you know, I need you to, you know, take me somewhere where you can let me out and I'll call another Uber to take me back in the other direction. Because I kind of felt him because like that happens in New York, right? Like you'll get a taxi and they'll pull over and ask you where you're going because they're headed home. And if they could catch a fare on the way, then cool. So I was like, yeah, just like, you know, find a place where you can, you know, let me out and I'll just catch an Uber the other way. And he was like, oh, like right up here at this. He pointed and he was like, I can let you out right up here at this signpost. He meant like a billboard on the side of the road. And I was like, the signpost? Like, no, you're not going to let me out on the side of the road. Like, you have to take me to like a restaurant, a mall, like somewhere I'm safe and can like get another cab. Like not at the fucking signpost. What? The funny thing is, right before it happened, I was like, I haven't had any stresses today. Like, today has gone so swimmingly well. And I was like, that never happens in Ghana. Like, there's always a left to be had. Always a left to be had. I was like, no. No. Like, what what else is nearby? And he was like, oh, Marina Mall. And he was like, there's restaurants and blah, blah, blah. (sighs) That's an ordeal that's not worth saying. He dropped me off at the mall. I got another Uber. There's a whole story right there. But it was fine. Nothing happened. It was an inconvenience. There's a couple places on the other side of the mall that their opening hours are at five, right? 
two places. So I went to those two places because I was like, you know what? I'll just grab a drink and I'll wait for traffic to die down or I'll get something to eat here because like I'm really starving. So it was like 530 at that point. Like I went to both of the places. They were still like sweeping and cleaning the bar. They hadn't even put the bottles up yet. Like the kitchen wasn't open. I was like, oh my God. So went and called the Uber. Dude picked me up, took me to the restaurant, and then everything was fine again. Sort of. I got to the restaurant, nobody inside. They were like, do you have a reservation? And I was like, I don't. But I'm seeing like all these empty tables. So I'm like, okay, he'll just like, you know, he's not going to cross me off the list. He was just checking. He's going to take me back. And he was like, one moment. He had to go get somebody and they had to have like a whole conferring conversation. And then he came back and was like, okay, do you want to sit inside or outside? You couldn't just take me to my table? Like, okay. Okay. I sat down. I had a couple lychee martinis. British Bay came and met me. A friend of a friend who I was supposed to meet up with hit me up and was like, I got reservations at like, you know, like the new hot space. And since British Bay was with me and he drives, I was like, do you want to go to like the new spot? So we went from there to the next spot, which was crazy. It looks like something out of like Bali or the girl I was with said Tulum, but I've never been to Tulum or that's not true. I haven't been to Tulum since they like built it up to look like Bali. But from what I've seen in pictures, it looks like Tulum. But I have been to Hobosh and it looks like Hobosh. It was gorgeous. It was absolutely gorgeous. I posted pictures and stories if you want to see. It's like, it just, it looks like some like beachy fantasy. It's like freaking amazing. So yeah, so that was how I ended my night. And I was like, so, you know, okay apartment, great apartment, stuck in traffic, about to be kicked out at a signpost on the side of the road. New driver happily takes me in the other direction because there's no traffic that way. And then have great dinner. Two great dinners. Well, great dinner and then cocktails with a cute guy and some new friends who were like, oh, what beach clubs have you been to? And I was like, beach clubs? And she was like, yeah, like beach clubs, like, you know, like out on like the coast and they're naming a whole bunch of cities that I ain't never heard of that are two hours away. And I was like, can you, I just gave her my phone. I was just like, can you repeat that? Can you spell that? And I'm like typing all this stuff in my phone. And she's like, I'll just send you a list. Thank you. But yeah. So allegedly we're going to some beach club tomorrow. She showed me a picture of it. I thought it was like something from like the place everybody goes to. I thought it was something from like Ibiza or some shit. But she was like, no girl, that's Ghana. It's two hours away. And she was like, we're going tomorrow. You want to come? And I was like, yes. Yes, let's make that happen. Yana girls are so fun. She was like, yeah, like I rented this truck. And she's like, it seats nine. And she's like, we have a driver. Okay, I'm in. Thank you. But enough about Ghana. Almost. I'm so sad. I have to like leave one before the 22nd because that's when my visa expires. I only had a 30 day visa this time um, because I had to get it on arrival. That's a whole nother story. But I got a job back home. Not a job job, but like an assignment. Um, a writing gig. So I had to go home to like take care of that. And so my girl was like, yeah, so like um, you get back when? Okay. You have like six days to do a two-part interview with two different people and turn it in 3,000 words. She told me to rate though. And I was like, oh, I could figure that out. Easy. Thank you. Not, not bad for a couple days, Pat. So I'll be back soon. I mean, to the US. I'll probably be back in Ghana sooner than later too. Yet another story that we'll get to at another time. Much news to talk about this week. Before I, I tape, I always do like a last minute scan to see like what people are talking about. I saw something. I thought it was some hot tea. 
No, you know what? Skip that for a minute. We're going to come back to that. We're going to show some decent respect first. Sidney Poitier passed away, and I didn't mention it on a previous podcast episode. I don't know why not. I had it in my list of things to talk about. But, you know, I go on my tangents and sometimes skip over things. And I accidentally skipped over Mr. Poitier. I didn't mean to. He lived a healthy life. How old was he when he passed? 94. That's a beautiful life. That's a beautiful, healthy, long life. He was survived by six daughters. You know what I realized the other day? I don't know much about Sidney Poitier. I know he had the uh, much celebrated autobiography, Measure of a Man. When he came out, like everyone and their mother was reading it. I just, I never got around to it. Um, But I put it in my Amazon cart. I have a ton of shit in my Amazon cart. So the day before I get on my flight, I will press send on my Amazon cart and send a whole bunch of stuff to my LA apartment. So, So it'll be waiting for me when I arrive home. It takes a full, what, 23 hours between flights and layovers to get home. So two days. So I should have all my stuff either when I get there or right after I arrive. Um, But I want to go read his book now just because I've been seeing like all the tributes written about him. And I was just like, what what don't I know about him? Like, I mean, it seems by all accounts, he was a very lovely man. You know, I always talk about how you could tell how somebody lived by how people react when they die. Like people were falling out on Instagram over him people who actually knew him so I was like oh okay like he was a good person most of the time you know we all got our ways that I was like he spent the majority of his time being good so I was like I want to know more about him like who is this lovely man that people are falling out over I saw a lot of people started circulating that Eartha Kitt quote this is what Eartha Kitt said about not just Sidney Poitier she said about Harry Belafonte too she did an interview I'm not quite sure where it came from there's a picture of the article that's like circulating but Eartha Kitt was married to a white man in the 60s for about five years. And so the interviewer asked her, do you think you faced a lot of resentment just because you were married to a white man? She said, oh, yes, that caused resentment. She said, people say, why didn't you marry a black man? I would reply because the white girls had them. She said, the men I wanted to be with, Sidney Poitier, Harry Belafonte, dated predominantly white women. She said, when Harry Belafonte kicks me out of his bed in Philadelphia, he said, I don't want you to take me seriously because no black woman can do anything for me. I could not help him to progress into where he wanted to go. A black woman would hold a black man back. That's what he told me. If I wanted to marry a black man, there wasn't one because the white girls had them. Oh, dear. That's her take on Sidney Poitier. She doesn't address, I mean, she's speaking more about Harry Belafonte, but I thought it was just interesting that she name dropped Sidney Poitier is like, you know, who was I going to date? They was all dating white chicks. And you know how I am about that. Like, I'm very like, love is love. As long as you're not dissing black women, I don't really care about black men dating interracially. Like, do you, bruh? Because I'm going to do me and I don't want to hear shit about it. Harry Belafonte, though, I'm like, yeah. Really interesting. Like, I mean, like you're a you know an entertainer, but he's also considered a civil rights icon. And I just think it's interesting that like you know you're very you know you're very power to the people, i.e. black power to black people, but you don't date black women. Moving along, conversation not about Harry Belafonte, but rest in peace to Sidney Poitier. And good black news, we have some weddings to celebrate. Sloane Stevens, tennis player, she got married. I've said for years she looks like a black Barbie on her wedding day. She was so beautiful. Her and her mama. Did you see the pictures of her and her mom? If you didn't, they're on her Instagram page. She looks exactly like her mama. Mama looks good. I mean, I know this is about Sloan. Mama looks good, though. Mama looks real good. 
was just like Sloane. I was like, oh, Sloane's going to have an epic run, just like her mama. But congratulations to Sloane Stevens on her nuptials. And also Danielle Brooks. I thought Danielle Brooks was already married. We've been seeing, uh, you know, these professional images of she and her now husband. We've been seeing those pictures for months. Like, they did, I don't know how many photo shoots they did. They look good as fucking all of them. I'm not complaining. I'm not complaining. They both very brown people. The lighting director did an amazing job. Whoever did the styling, Danielle has never looked better. I'm going to give her credit. Because when we got introduced to Danielle Brooks, she was playing an inmate. So her hair usually looked, you know, she was in prison. Even when it was done, it wasn't done, 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 done. It looked like, you know, jailbreaks. But when sis is not in character, sis be done, done. And she been showing out with these... Again, I, I thought they was already married and just, you know, was pulling like a, a Nisi and Jessica and was just, you know, like to be seen and like to take a lot of pictures or something. They was traveling and taking pictures. I was like, that wasn't just a one day photo shoot. Y'all did shoots, many, multiple plurals. But no, but she just got married. Her dress was amazing. She was amazing. Let me just speak about her as a whole. Looked fucking amazing. And then the dress was like super amazing. And... You know, she's a brown girl. And so she had like, um, there was some sheer in the dress and they got the sheer right. They got the sheer right. Like, you, you know how like black girls when we buy like something that has like sheer, like the color is never like, um, I'm saying sheer, but like sheer is in like nude. The, the nude is never right. The nude was right. It'd be the little things. It'd be the littlest things. She looked amazing. I'm so happy for her. And let me just also say this too. Folks needed to see, for her and Sloan, folks really needed to see some brown girls get married. They really did. Like, I know, like, they just went and got married and, you know, they're not thinking about image and, and what it projects for the culture and, and all of those things. Like, they just, you know, had a boo and they was in love with the boo and the boo was in love with them. And so they decided, you know, let's go walk down this aisle and, you know, build a legacy together. Great. But their images are bigger than what they are. I don't know if they know that, but their images are bigger than what they are. Just seeing two like brown girls, Danielle especially, because she's like a plush girl. If you sit on the internet too long and listen to the cult leader and his minions talk about who's a zero and who's a 10 and who's worthy of marriage and what makes a woman worthy of marriage. To see two women, beautifully brown women, both with great careers who are flourishing and to see them besides men who clearly find them worthy of, of love and affection and of building a life with, right? Not just like sex partners or, um, and not talking crazy like submission, split coffee, 50-50 dates type shit. Like, but to see them being loved on and to see them cherished and to see like, you know, the photos of the men so visibly into them and taking them on as life partners, building union and family with them. Like it, it sends a message and it was very powerful for me to see. And I was like, oh my God, I love love. You know, I'm so sappy. I try not to be it, but I'd be so sappy sometimes. I can't help it. I'm a hopeful romantic. Leave me alone. Some woman wrote the other day, she, totally unrelated to me, and she tagged me in a comment. But somebody was like, y'all feminists be talking that shit until y'all fuck around and find love. He's like, and all of a sudden, y'all fine with like submission and catering and fixing plates. And I was like, I ain't said nothing about submission. I ain't said nothing about catering. And I've always said that I would like fix a plate if I felt like fixing a plate. You can't demand I fix a plate. I also don't necessarily have an issue with submission if we are mutually submitting. 
I was like, I'll submit to you if you're also submitting to me and then you're also submitting to God and you have a frequent and fruitful, fulfilling relationship with the Lord. Then we can have a conversation about like, you know, actual submitting. I'd probably be damned if I'm sitting up in a house with my name on the fucking lease or mortgage. Talk about somebody else's leading. Get the fuck out of here. You lead it what you good at. I'll lead with what I'm good at. Then we good. <sighs> we have some not so good news. I don't want to talk about this. It makes me sad. Lisa Bonet and Jason Moma are splitting. I don't usually get wrapped up in celebrity couples. Michelle and Barack, I'm wrapped up in them. I'd be devastated if they got divorced. I don't, let's move on because I don't even want to speak on that. I, just, I don't want to talk about that. But I got wrapped up in Jason Moma and Lisa Bonet. Like he love, love, love that woman. And she love, love, love him. But he was like, I had a crush on her. I had her posters on my wall. He would give interviews and be like, like, she is my dream woman. He was like, anything is possible because, like, I married Lisa Bonet. Like, me. Little old me. And I was like, you're not little old you. And, like, bruh, like, look at you. Look at your big, wide, fine. Is he Samoan? But they announced that they are going their separate ways. People said they were splitting after five years. But they've actually been in a relationship for more, like, 15, 16. They were in it for a minute. Like, we're in it, had two kids. And then chill some more and was like, okay, now we're going to get married. You know, they're a little earthy. They're a little different, which is nothing wrong with it. That's how they like to be. And it worked for them for 15 years. They had such a good vibe together. I'm sorry. I really got wrapped up in them. Like, I really was like, oh, no. You know how people were like Devon and Megan? Well, some people were like, oh, no. Which, I mean, I said, oh, no, because that's sad. But I said, oh, no. Like, oh, I feel so bad for both of them because I know, like, even if you're putting on like a public face and even if there's no like, you know, like hardcore beef behind the scenes, right? It's still a very painful process. Like, you know, you're separating from someone that you thought you would be with forever. But for them, Devon and Megan, I was like, oh no. For Lisa and Jason, I was like, oh no. Like wailed, like let out a wail. I was like, I knew I was attached, but I didn't know I was that attached. I used to have a picture. There's a really famous picture of them They're in like the back of a car and they're snuggled up together. Like Jason is sitting on one side and then like Lisa is like leaned into him, like all on his side. Like he's almost like holding her like a child because she's so small in comparison to him. But I was like, I need one. I need this in my life. I need like a big old man that I can just like cuddle into and feel like, you know, small and dainty and like extra feminine and like know that he got me. That's how you get me to submit. If you really want, I ain't going to ever call it that shit. But that's how, you know, the whole submission thing works. There was this clip that's circulating right now. And I've seen it 50 million times before. It's from a few years ago. But it's Jill Scott on The Breakfast Club. And she's talking about, actually, I don't even know what the context is. But Jill Scott is talking about a man telling her what to do. And she said, if you can tell me what to do, then you can tell me what to do. And if you can't tell me what to do, then you cannot tell me what to do. And it's really just something that's based on energy and vibes and like also how you demonstrate like leadership and and common sense. Because there are people who can like tell me what to do and I'll just be like, okay, him? I don't really argue that much with him. But he told me to go do something. He was like, I'm gonna catch up with you. We were at the airport. And I was like, no, no. Like I'm trying to say goodbye to him and I'm like freaking out. And he was like, go inside. I'm going to catch up with you. And we were taking like separate flights. He was like, Demetria, go inside. I'm going to catch up with you. Okay. Okay. 
and I went inside. Like I felt a way about it. And I was like, if this mofo don't show up at my gate before I take off, he about to hear my mouth on a whole nother level. But in this moment, okay, I trust that you got it. You acting like you got it. You better have it. And I do that though, because on multiple occasions prior, he's demonstrated that he had it. I can have faith in the things that he says because he backs his shit up. I still felt a way about it. I just shut up about it. Anyway, I feel sad about Lisa Bonet and Jason. They put out a really good statement, though. And they posted this on Instagram. They said, um, it was a mutual post. They said, uh, quote, we have all felt the squeeze and changes of these transformational times. A revolution is unfolding and our family is of no exception. And so we share our family news that we are parting ways in marriage. We share this not because we think it's newsworthy, but so that as we go about our lives, we may do so with dignity and honesty. Look, I appreciate that. I have a couple friends. <laughs> I, I know some people who have gone through separations or divorces. And it's, you know, it's embarrassing because you feel like you've, you've failed at life, not just in marriage, but you feel like you've just failed at life because, you know, your finances, your, your emotions, your home, your housing, like your life is like falling apart as you're like, you know, dividing it up. So you feel like you're, you've just failed. Um, and it's embarrassing. Like you don't want to like go announce to people that like, yeah, like, you know, you came to my wedding and you know, I was with this person forever and you met them and you know, now the shit's not working or God forbid, like, you know, one of you did some stupid, stupid shit. And now the other person's leaving you over it. Like everyone's eventually going to hear about this dumb shit you did that, you know, made your, your partner go file for divorce on you and leave. So for a lot of reasons, people don't say anything, right? They just like sort of suffer in silence. But then they don't tell anyone that they're separated or divorced. And then you see them out somewhere with somebody else. And you'd be like, nigga, you bold out this bitch. You coming to this place that you know everybody be at with this new person? It's jarring. It's very jarring. It's like, because you ain't say nothing. So we seeing you thinking you hoeing. Where's your husband, ma'am? You bold with this shit. What you doing? And so the friend will hit you later and be like, oh, you know, me and so-and-so on the rocks. Like I moved out a couple months ago or, you know, she filed for divorce or whatever. And so, you know, we just waiting on papers now. Like, you know, shit been rocky for a minute. You better say something, bruh. I'm thinking you out here being a whole whore. You just out here living because you ain't want to tell people about your life. So I appreciate they were like, look, so we can move on with dignity. So it won't be no stories. Remember that happened with Lawrence Fishburne and his wife? They had got separated. They was going through some shit. Had nobody seen them together in forever and a day. She got caught somewhere kissing on some man in public. I want to say it ended up on page six. And they were like, ooh, caught cheating. And then they had to release a statement, something like, we've been separated for like over a year. Like we've gone our separate ways. Ain't nobody, ain't nobody acting inappropriate. Everybody knows what it is. We just didn't make a public announcement. Y'all asses better say something. It's different when you be like, oh, okay, you know, folks is, folks is separated and divorced. They moving on. Okay, that's fine. Do that. It's good for you. Come on. Announce. Tell people your shit ain't work. It's okay. It's happened to a lot of us. It gets better. It's all right. Life happens. Just tell somebody something. Shit. Lisa and Jason went on in their statement. They said, quote, the love between us carries on, evolving in ways it wishes to be known and lived. We free each other to be who we are learning to become. Our devotion unwavering to this sacred life and our children, teaching our children what's possible. They said, and they signed off, living the prayer 
may love prevail. Jason and Lisa. J and L is what they wrote for Jason and Lisa. That's a beautiful ass statement. He grown people acting grown, at least in public. If y'all got some issues, because clearly they do, they're getting divorced. That's how it needs to be handled. It's not our business. We don't need to know. It's, it was a good run. I wish both of them the best. May they find the happiness that they seek. And you know they will. Because Lisa was married to Jason. Before him, she was married to Lenny. Which I was like, sis, who is next? How do you top that? We thought she couldn't top Lenny, though. And then she went and got Jason. I'm looking to see who she got next. Because sis is like batting a million with the pickings. Like, Jesus. But Jason and Lenny were like the best of friends. They would all hang out together. Lenny be posting pictures of Jason, wishing him a happy birthday, calling him brother. I was like, they loved each other. I felt like there was three people in love in that marriage. But not like in a fucked up way, but like in a healthy, like happy, we grown, everybody moved on, you know, kind of way. Man, Jason ain't going to go nowhere. I was watching, um, what's the, uh, the godfather of, uh, what's it called? The Black Godfather? Yeah, the Black Godfather, the uh, the documentary series on um, on Netflix. It's about Clarence Avant. You know what? I'm mixing up documentaries because in his documentary, Quincy Jones was in the documentary. But there was something that came up in that documentary, but it's not this. I'm mixing them up. I'm thinking of Quincy Jones' advice to Will Smith. So when Will Smith was getting a divorce from his first wife, they weren't married that long, but they had a child together and he made a shit ton of money while he was married to her. So marital property, they lived in California. So half, essentially. So half. And Quincy, and he called Quincy Jones and was like, what do I do? What do I do? Like, she's trying to take half. And Quincy was like, give her fucking half. Like, give her fucking half. You're going to remake that, like, the next year. You're fighting over money that you're not going to even miss. Give her half so she can go on her way and you can go on yours without a long-out divorce battle. And then go remake the money next year. And he was like, either way, he was like, you're going to see this woman every Christmas for the rest of your life because you got a kid together. And then Will went on to say, and he was like, yeah, so like, you know, that happened when I want to say his son was like three. And he was like, yeah, I've spent every Christmas with her in some capacity for like, you know, all them years later. So I think with Lisa and Jason, like, you know, they're going to go their separate ways. But just how Lenny ain't never really go nowhere. Lenny was always there because of Zoe. And he became best friends with like Jason. Jason ain't going nowhere. He's going to be best friend. He's going to have to be best friends with the new dude. Him and Lenny going to have to be best friends with the new dude because that's how they like the role, which is healthy, which is very healthy. So, ah, I don't like to hear of divorce just because I know people are going through so much, even if it's like, you know, the best thing in the long run, but just in the moment, it's just so terrible. <sighs> what else is on our list? Do we have anything happier to talk about? Not really. Let's talk about something stupid. You've been following this Drake condom story. <laughs> this is so dumb. So this woman, I don't know who she is. I don't care. Some Instagram chick. She and Drake met in DMs. They decided to meet up and have the sex. In her retelling of the story, she was like, you know, Drake was, you know, very, I don't know if to use the word overboard. She was like, it was very clear he wanted to make sure that this was consensual sex. And she was like, I was fine with that. Had, so had consensual sex, safe sex with a condom. This is this woman telling the story. She says he came, he went into the bathroom to take the condom off. And apparently he threw it in the trash can. And I was like, he didn't flush it down the toilet. Huh? Okay. But he took the condom off and put it in the trash can. 
she went in the bathroom. And again, this is her version of the story. She said she went in the bathroom after him, fished the condom out of the trash, and then tried to take the contents of such and insert it into her vagina. She said she inserted it and her vagina began to burn. And she realized somehow that he had put hot sauce in the condom to kill the sperm, which actually sounds like it would work. I mean, I personally would have gone with like, I don't know, alcohol, because I think that would probably like kill it better. But I was like, hot sauce seems, you know, as good a thing as any. And then, you know, there's packets of hot sauce. So, but whatever. So this is her version of the story. She said she yelled and Drake came running. And I don't know what happened after that because like I just every time I get to that part of the story, I just like howl with laughter because I was like, your dumbass did what? And I have no idea if this story is true or not. Like it's so ridiculous that it actually might be. And the ridiculous part is not Drake putting hot sauce in the condom. He's trying to make sure that nobody else has like a baby by him and becomes a millionaire. Like I get it. It's a weird choice, but I get what he's trying to do. I'm mad this dumbass went and fished a condom out the fucking trash and tried to put it in her. And I was like, if he put hot sauce in the condom, like when you saw the condom and the contents, like they didn't look a little funny to you. Like it didn't look like, I don't know, like it's red. Like you weren't like, was he bleeding? I would have seen it and been like, oh, he has an STD. I ain't trying to get whatever he got. If he's like shooting, like, I don't know, red semen. Like, I would think there's, like, blood in it or something. I would think something was wrong with him. You know, he used the condom, so, like, I didn't get what he got, hopefully. Hopefully it's not something like herpes that goes through your pores. I was like, but your dumbass saw this condom with jizz that looked red and tried to put it in your hoo-ha anyway? I mean, just even if it wasn't red. Fishing a condom out the fucking trash and then trying to insert the sperm into your hoo-ha after the fact. You deserve that shit. You deserve a flaming pussy. You deserved a burnt pussy. You deserved it. You asked for that. You willfully, purposely went looking to have a burning coochie. I don't feel no bad for you at all, lady. Not one little bit. It's the stupidest story. Oh, my God. I hope it's not true. But it probably is. Womp. We got two more stories to talk about. There's actually a bunch of stories we could talk about. I'm going to save some of them for next week because they ain't going nowhere. Um, Chanel Iman and her husband also split. I know nothing about them. Um, I follow her on Instagram. I noticed a while ago that she had um, not posted pictures of him in a while. And I just did like a quick scroll. And she used to post pictures of him and the kids like a lot. But I did like a quick scroll and I saw he wasn't nowhere on Instagram. And I was like, oh, yeah, they done. But yeah, so unfortunately, they have gone their separate ways. I haven't heard any drama about it. There's always some when a couple is splitting, even if it's not like throwing chairs and blow out arguments. There's always something because you're splitting. If everything's good, you're not like splitting. There's something going on, but we don't need to know that business. And so I hope they keep it quiet as they have done thus far. Also, Aisha Curry and Steph, there was a rumor, which I don't even know where that came from, that they were in an open marriage and neither one of them said anything about it for about a week or so. And then Aisha Curry finally addressed it. And she said that they are not in an open marriage. I think somebody directly asked her and she finally responded to one of those questions. And it was like, don't disrespect my marriage that way. I mean, their marriage is their marriage. If it's open, if it's closed, it ain't my business. I ain't fucking Steph. So... Or Aisha, do what y'all grown folks feels best to do. I don't, I don't care one way or another. Are you happy? That's all I care about. I want everybody to be happy. I really do. Oh, yeah, we still got to talk about these two more things. This is going to be a long episode. There's some Wendy Williams news. Unfortunately, it's not good news. 
I don't know what Wendy did to the people over at the Sun. Because they stay on her ass. I believe it was the Sun. Was it the Sun or the Daily Mail? Maybe Wendy's done something to the British. It was either the Sun or the Daily Mail who originally dropped the story about Wendy's husband had been cheating with this woman forever and a day and was living in a house that was damn near the size of Wendy's and her husband's name was on the mailbox and they had followed this couple around for like a good strong year and taken all this photographic evidence and they wrote this expose about this is what Wendy's husband has been doing. Like he bought this woman a car. I think they were the ones that were like, this woman's pregnant. Like it was bad. And that's when Wendy started to unravel. Which, you know what? Would you not do the same in the, in the same circumstance? I mean, I unraveled for much less. I just handled mine slightly different. When shit got really bad before I left, I'd stop drinking. But if I was still drinking at the time, oh my God. And even sober, I told y'all like how bad it was. Like I was pulling over on the side of the road, crying, barely avoided a meltdown on local TV in DC. Like it, oh God. But Wendy's not had good times ever since that story came out. And then the story that they did today, which I know a couple people that work for the show, I'd heard things. I'd heard a version of this story. But this is the story that The Sun released yesterday. They say, and I'm just going to read it to you. They say, quote, in the early months of the pandemic, in the early months of the pandemic, Wendy brought the Wendy Williams show tapings and her audience inside her New York City penthouse in an effort to keep her daily program on the air. They note that Wendy's fans quickly became concerned because she was acting erratic on screen. They said she frequently appeared on TV dressed only in a robe. And on more than one occasion, she began a segment sobbing uncontrollably. They said in May 2020, the host hit a particularly rough spot with her addiction issues. Wendy experienced a disturbing incident with a handful of people present as she was working from home. According to sources, this is coming from The Sun once again. Wendy's manager was summoned to her penthouse apartment after she appeared unwell during a Zoom show taping earlier in the week. Her manager and a small group of confidants arrived to the host home to lend support to the struggling talk show queen. According to multiple sources, Wendy stripped naked in her room and was touching herself in a sexual manner while shouting vulgar comments. The eyewitnesses, plural, looked on in horror and immediately called healthcare workers. After medical personnel arrived at the home, Wendy allegedly grew more aggressive. The host was eventually taken to the hospital where she would remain for weeks. The Sun notes, reps for Wendy and the Wendy Williams show did not respond to the Sun's multiple requests for comments. And I told you, I heard a version of this story very slightly different details, but nothing significant enough to note. About a month ago, I'm not a gossip blogger. I don't tell everything that I hear, and I hear a lot of shit. I imagine some folks hear a lot of shit about me. Thanks for not blasting me. me. I may be returning the favor. But if something's posted in a, you know, a legitimate site, I feel it's fair to talk about. That has never been the standard that, that Wendy holds herself to, but, you know, that's mine. I feel bad for her. I feel bad for her. I, it seems like she just spiraled after um, the betrayal 
from her husband and she just hasn't been able to recover yet. I always put a yet. To go through something doesn't have to be a permanent state. It can be passing and temporary. When you're in it, it feels like this is my life today and forever forth. Or even people sometimes hear about things and they think because you hear somebody's going through a bad state, then that's just their permanent state. I like to think about um, the Spanish language. There's an esta, which is temporary, and there's an s, which is permanent. When you ask people how they're feeling, they answer you with a story because it's a temporary state. Whatever is going on with Wendy, it can be temporary. She can be helped, um, at least the emotional part of it. Um, And I hope she gets the help that she needs. Because what they're describing is, it's it's erratic behavior, like the crying and all that stuff, but also like stripping naked and like masturbating. That's some out of your mind shit. Like you're, you're high, you're on drugs, you're in some altered emotional state. I mean, I can't see Wendy doing that like in an, like in a sane space. That strikes me as, that strikes me very heavily as like I'm going through some shit and I've literally just like, I'm out of my mind. No jokes, no shame. I hope she gets the help that she needs. I hope the coworkers get the help that they need. Cause that's a lot. Last but not least, and this is not tea. This is very tepid tea. When I read it on Instagram, it was presented as, as breaking news. Like this wild thing had happened. This is from the Baltimore Sun. It said a federal grand jury has indicted Baltimore State's attorney, Marilyn J. Mosby, on federal charges that she made false statements on loan applications court records show. The indictment charges Mosby with four counts. Read the latest on BaltimoreSun.com. I was like, oh, no, not the Maryland. No, I root for black women. She's a black woman as the state's attorney. She's young. She and her husband are real cute. I was like, oh, no, we were rooting for you. We are rooting for you. I said, no, no, I do not like to hear this. I don't know her. I think I may have met her once in passing at a TV One event in D.C. And when I was introduced to her, I'll be real 110% honest with you. I didn't know who she was. I knew who Marilyn Mosby was. I knew what she looked like. But she does this thing that a lot of like corporate black women do or political black women do is they sort of, is they play down their looks. There's an idea that you can't be corporate and sexy or corporate and too beautiful because people don't take you seriously if you're too pretty or even too feminine. So in her public facing role, she doesn't always wear like, and not to say that she looks bad in any way, but she doesn't wear things that are, I would say the most flattering during her work, work stuff. Right. But when you see her out and about, I met her at this event and I figured out who she was after. And I've seen her at other events after that, when she's in like her private life. Right. She's beautiful. Like she's gorgeous, like drop dead gorgeous. I met her and thought she was like, I sound so bad. Somebody going to go tell her this. And I want to say this. I mean it in no ways disrespectful. I thought she was somebody's trophy wife. That's how gorgeous she is. And I don't mean that in any way that she looked like a bimbo or she was like scantily clad or anything like that. Like she looked beautiful. She looked classy. Hair done, nails done, dress was, go- dress was gorgeous, body was popping. Like, she looked beautiful. And I was like, oh, like, who is this woman? Like, she's gorgeous. Like, I was like, and she looked like a woman of leisure, a relaxed woman who was well taken care of. And I was like, who is this woman? And how can I be about this life? But I, did, I really honestly didn't recognize her. And then afterward, my friend was like, they were like, oh, you know who that was? And I was like, that's her? I had no idea. She's gorgeous, gorgeous woman. It has nothing to do with anything. I'm just telling you a little something that I know. 
But I read this story and I was like, oh no, not the Maryland, no. Then I went to click on it and I was like, girl, federal charges, girl, girl. I was very upset. I went to read this damn story, y'all, y'all. I read this story thinking it was going to be some piping hot tea, tepid, tepid tea, triple pour of tea. So on Instagram, the Baltimore Sun made this sound like, you know, federal charges. In the headline, Baltimore State's attorney, Marilyn Mosby, indicted on federal charges. She lied on financial transaction to buy homes in Florida. I was reading this shit and I was like, is this illegal? Because I feel like this is what a lot of people do in order to like buy property. They said a federal grand jury has indicted Baltimore's top prosecutor on charges of perjury and making false statements with a series of financial transactions that helped her buy a condo on Florida's Gulf Coast and another property near Orlando, Florida. Sounds bad. They said Mosby is charged with falsely claiming to suffer financial hardship from the coronavirus to obtain an early withdrawal from her retirement savings to purchase the homes. So she ain't steal no money. She said she had financial hardship so she could get her own money out of her retirement savings so she could purchase some houses? That's illegal. She can't access her own money. It's her money. Her retirement. What's the problem? It said federal prosecutors alleged she lied on a mortgage loan application by hiding an outstanding federal tax debt. They also accused her of entering into an agreement to rent out a home that she bought in Kissimmee near Disney World. But she had promised not to rent the property. And she said all of this to obtain a lower interest rate. Again, that's illegal. Somebody better tell folks. There's a lot of folks about to end up with federal charges. Somebody better tell folks. So what I'm reading is that she essentially got her down payment by withdrawing from her retirement savings. And then she owned a property. She entered into agreement to rent out a home that she bought. So she bought this property I guess she told the old owners that she wasn't going to rent it out. And then she bought it and decided to rent it out. It's her house. How somebody going to tell her she can't rent out her house? Like, even if you agree with the old owners, like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to rent it. Like, yeah, okay, I'm saying this because I want you to sell me the house. Once I own the house, I can't do what I want with the house. The fuck? It's my house. Child, somebody better tell folks this. Everybody going to end up with federal charges. They said she did all this to obtain a lower interest rate. Who the fuck is not trying to obtain a lower interest rate? I'm not saying man was right. She's she technically she should have said that she had some tax debt when she was applying for like her bank loan. She should have done that. You know, most people not going to do that. Right. Do the feds know that they need to go indict like half the homeowners in America? This is some bullshit because I was thinking we was going to read some story about like, you know, some. I mean, clearly this is not sexual harassment, but I thought we were going to have like some, you know, some Cuomo-esque type charges where you done gone and did like some real dirt and now folks is coming after your ass and you'd be like, yes, it's a, you know, clearly it's a political hit, but you did the shit. This tepid tea, light pour. I mean, it's federal charges and all, but like, what is she, they going to send her to jail over this shit? This is a fine at best. Baltimore Sun got my blood pressure raised thinking Marilyn Mosby done did some crazy shit. She done did some shit that most homeowners do in order to obtain their properties. Stop this shit. I was reading something the other day. You know, one of those, like you'd be scrolling through Facebook in like the middle of the night 
And because I've been looking at like purchasing properties, I'm like all over the place. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to move to Ghana. And then when I get back from Ghana, like in a year, then I'm going to like buy this property and I'm either going to like, I don't know, buy a loft in LA or like a, a, an apartment in Tribeca or like this trophy house down the street from my parents. I don't know what I'm doing with my life. Options, options, options. I got too many options, which is a beautiful thing, but I, I, don't, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. That's it. I'm all, I also looked into buying a place in Ghana. So, you know, like my cookies are tracking all this stuff. And so stuff that's associated with real estate pops up on my Facebook feed. And so one of those things was like a list of popular things that people do while purchasing a home that are technically illegal. So like one of them is like it's very standard that when people buy property, certain people buy property that they take a loan from their parents and use that as the down payment for their property. Technically, that's illegal, according to what I read. And I was like, really? So again, you need to go like indict half of homeowners because most people, especially if you're buying your place like really young, especially now with like the price of housing, a lot of people just don't have it. So if you know someone who does, like your dad or your mom, that's who you ask for. And if your parents have it and give it to you, then that's what you use for your down payment. Maybe you pay them back. Maybe you don't. I don't know. That's how a lot of people get their down payments, especially a lot of people that I know. Or their house is just straight up in their parents' name and they're living in it. I don't know if that's illegal. But that's how a lot of my friends, people from like my neighborhood that I grew up with, that's how they got their first property. So I'm just like, this, the shit they describe, this is illegal? Okay, you didn't list your federal tax debt. I'm not saying that's the right thing to do. I'm certainly not saying that. But what is that, like a fine? Like, is the bank going to like take her mortgage back? Like, what is the result of this? this? This article bored me. I thought we was about to hear some real tea. And I was prepared. Whatever it was, I was going to defend Maryland because I was like, you know, unless it was some real, real crazy shit, I was going to defend her because I was like, it's a hard life for a black woman. You got to cut the corners that you got to cut to get ahead and blah, blah, blah. This isn't even worth, worth defending. Get, get out of here with this shit. Give me some real tea. You're going to make these big breaking news announcements? You better give me some real tea. I was like, oh, girl, what happened? Tepid tea. No caffeine high. Triple pour. Not tasty. Not hot. Yeah. <sighs> There's more to discuss. But we've discussed so much. We're going to have to save some things for next week. I'm going to tell you right now, next week's episode is going to be late as shit. Because I'm traveling on Monday. It's a 23-hour flight. I may be able to record before I leave on Monday. I'm probably going to get my hair rebraided instead. I'm just, I'm just telling y'all what it is so we can manage our expectations. Not everything. We'll talk about Trey Songs next week. Because how many people have accused him of rape at this point? That's a full conversation. I need to do a little bit more of my homework before we talk about that. Because those are serious charges. Now, that's, that's like hot piping. Calling it tea when we're talking about assault is not right. But that's some shit that needs to be on the front page. How many people have accused you of rape? Hmm? He denies it. I think that's important to say. But yeah, so we'll save that for next week. You know what I'm about to say. If you have not picked up your Ratchet and Respectable merchandise, please do so on DemetriaLLucas.com. The pink is gone. I think there's still green t-shirts left just with Ratchet and Respectable on them. I think most of the logo stuff is gone. There might be large logo shirts. People keep asking me for those. And I was like, can y'all like check the website, please? I'm not trying to be funny. Just like check the website because people just assume everything's sold out. And I'm like, everything's not sold out. Like I brought enough merch to last for the season. Check the website. Not everything, but we'll talk again next week. Have an awesome weekend. Wish me traveling mercies because I got to get my ass back to the United States and the far side of the United States, like the West Coast. And ain't no direct flight. 
layover in Amsterdam. All right. Talk next week, y'all. Okay. Bye. University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are. Leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu.